0: If this segment doesn't go well, I'm blaming Neil just for the for the, the stumbling <laughs> intro. It was like me yesterday with who who was it? We brought on Scott Rinch poor Scott Rintoul agrees to come on and I can't figure out how to work the phones and he's like, Well, this is just great. I'm on with an idiot who's been gone for so long he doesn't know how to hit the on button on the phone. We did change the phones in the last few years. Yeah, but uh, don't apologize for me. There really was there was no uh, there was no reason for that. Uh, you, you ought to be able to get stuff done. Hey, lunch with listeners your chance to win twenty five big damn dollars to the Georgetown uh, Brewery. Is it Georgetown Brewery or Georgetown Beer? They like Georgetown Beer, right? I've been the down Twitter, there enough. I should know. Yeah, the Twitter handle is Georgetown Beer, but they're known as Georgetown Brewery. Uh, they're known for making tasty beer and yes. for doing a lot of great things in the community. And we give you a chance to win twenty five bucks. All you got to do is call. Two eight six ninety five ninety five or eight hundred eight two nine zero nine five zero. Tell us what you're having for lunch today. Be interesting. Be intriguing. Have something good for us, uh, and then fire a question at. Now we haven't done a potpourri segment for a while. I don't know if that's what this will be. We're going to talk about the M's, I think, specifically. But if you've got, you know, I'm only here for another couple of days in this seat, and then puck will be back, and I'll be back over there just lobbing in dumb thoughts from the side. Uh, so if you've got something, you know, maybe something burning, uh, in, in you know, something you want to talk about, you got something you want to know about Calabro's personal life since he was on earlier. Uh, anything, uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll be happy to, to entertain any of those things. Or you can go with with what our main topic is today, which is uh, the the beloved hometown nine, your Seattle Mariners, six and four in their first ten games. Seven of the ten games have been on the road. One of the games was canceled due to a blizzard. They, they had to play the game in an igloo, and they couldn't get it done in Minnesota. Uh, they've been they've left Phoenix three weeks ago. They've been Phoenix, Denver, Seattle, San Francisco, Minneapolis, Kansas City. Only the Cubs have played fewer home games. Uh, the the M's uh, also have had a ridiculous level of, of injuries to really key players, uh, the the good news about the bad news is the injuries. The good news is none of them appear to be terribly serious in terms of how long it's going to take for guys to get back. So uh, our our question today was uh, with the Mariners off to a six and four start. All things considered, if they were a stock, would you a buy because you're bullish? Would you b sell? You're getting out. You're a bear. You think this is as good as it's going to get? I'm gonna get my money back now. Or uh, c I'd I'd hold. Let's wait and see. Now you can vote at Gasman206 on Twitter. If you like, you can call. I'll make a comment right now on, on Lunch with Listeners, if, if you'd like. Uh, the poll, and it's interesting, it's a battle for second place right now. It is definitely a battle for second. 64% of you are taking the nice conservative. I'm going to hold on to my Mariner stock, and we'll see how things go. We'll see how things look here in, uh, in, in a couple of weeks. Uh, but uh, of the remaining two choices, it is almost a dead heat, 19%. Say that this six and four start with all the injuries has left them bullish. 19% say they're buying more M stock right now. 17% say I'm getting out. This is as good as it's going to get this year. I am selling right now, and I'm not even going to think twice about You know, when you sell stock, they tell you just don't even, don't ever look at it again. Don't worry about it. Just cause you, just cause you sold Apple back in 1988, don't look at it today, for God's sake. Don't look at it and see what it is now. Uh, so you can vote at Gasman206 or you can dial us up. Uh, at 286 two eight six ninety five ninety five or 800 for lunch with listeners. Somebody who win 25 bucks. it could be you, but only if you call and volley in something reasonably intelligent to the show. This is our effort to reconnect with the listeners. They call a talk radio, and everybody involved in this business has stopped taking calls because nobody talks on the phone anymore except Brad and Breyer. Hello, Brad. Welcome to the show.
1: Hey, man. How's it going, guys?
0: It's going good and it's just a guy. Puck is in is in some but some poor soul in Arizona right now is rubbing coconut oil on Puck's hairy, flabby back.
1: Oh boy.
0: How's that for a yeah. lunchtime image for you?
1: Yeah, that's not good. That's about as bad as the guy telling you that he was having the uh, colonoscopy
0: yesterday. <laughs> that was that was, I mean, that was all right. I should, you know hey you know what I I shouldn't I I I, I myself have had a colonoscopy. Actually, I've had two. Uh, it's <laughs> a good thing. It's a smart thing for guys to do when you get to a certain age. It is not that sure. big a deal. It really is not a. And I'll tell you what, they give you the you'll sleep like a baby afterwards. You won't. You, you get the best sleep you've ever had in your life. You can't believe how deeply you sleep when that happens. Have you had one, Brad? Let's talk about colonoscopies.
1: I have not had one, I'm 44, I probably should have due soon, so... Yeah,
0: they say when you're 50, it's a reason to look forward to the half century, Mark, so you got a few more years where you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> yeah, okay. You know who delivered the greatest line ever about a colonoscopy was Bob Rondo, and I'm not sure I can say it completely, because I took my FCC decency training yesterday, <laughs> but... Everybody was assuring me one afternoon when I was getting ready for my first one that it's not a big deal. And then Rondo, I didn't even know Rondo was in the office, and he scoots back from his desk and goes, yeah, it's no big deal as long as you don't mind 50 feet of it. And then he can kind of go with the rest of it with how, how oh, he finished boy. that off. And I was like, well, thanks, Bob. Thanks for being a comforting soul. All right, what's for uh, what's for lunch today out in uh, in Briar?
1: Well, I am actually having a... Uh toasted cheese meatloaf sandwich so basically it's the leftover meatloaf Ooh, uh on sourdough with with cheese and then i'm gonna uh dip it in barbecue sauce <laughs>
0: of course you are of course you, you gotta you gotta dip it in something that sounds fantastic that's a good solid lunch there what about uh i don't know if it's an m's thing or something else what's uh, what else is on your mind this
2: afternoon
1: well i think uh the m's thing i'm, I'm actually gonna stay with it i'm gonna keep the stock in it because i i, I think that lineup uh one through nine when it's finally healthy. Um, and I, I, I think the Poto is going to get another pitcher and uh, soon if not before, way before July 31st, I would hope because they're going to be in it. I think, I think they're going to stay afloat, you know, five, 10 games over 500 for the next couple months. And, and I would stay with it with the stock on that. And then I have another question for you as far as uh, um, Kaepernick's concerned. Yeah. so, so, if the Seahawks are tolerating Michael Bennett all last year doing it, and I don't personally think it was a distraction to the team, a lot of people, uh, my girlfriend's mom, she thought it was a big distraction, and that's why they didn't make the playoffs. I mean, come on, Blair Walsh, three three games lost because of the yeah. field goals. I mean, it would have been twelve and four with with those. But um, I don't really think it has anything to do with with the actual game played. I just don't. Um, so yeah. so shying away from Kaepernick, I think is. It's more because they don't want him, not because of that. Uh, I'll take your comments off the air. Thanks, man.
0: Thanks, Brad. I appreciate it. And uh, that opens up 286 if you'd like to join us and volley in a thought. Uh, first of all, yeah, uh, the, the people that talk about distractions, you know, these guys who play pro sports and women who play professional sports, these aren't delicate little flowers that are going to wilt at the very first sign of adversity. They've gotten to the professional level because they're brilliant at Walling off distractions. James Paxton had a damned eagle land on his head the other day, and still did. Fi- I mean, you talk about a distraction. I'd have to. I'd be a scratch if I was out there and an eagle landed on me. And I, well, gas is going to be able to pitch today. He may never be able to set foot on the field again because I'm not a professional athlete. So this, oh, it's a distraction. I, I, that's. I think it's 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 a nice convenient thing to say. And maybe you can convince yourself that, but Brad is exactly right. The Seahawks didn't make the playoffs last year because they had a bad kicker. It's too bad. I mean, and there are other there are other things as well. Sherman getting hurt didn't help them. Uh, they did get their lunches handed to them pretty good by the Rams at the end. So maybe just having a kicker wasn't going to be enough. But no, the the distractions thing, I don't buy. And again, the way this story works. Today is is the indication is that the Hawks reached out. Either they reached out to Kaepernick or Kaepernick reached out to them. The Hawks do need a backup quarterback, and they said, "Well, what is your plan, vis a vis, vis a vis, in regard to the national anthem? What is your plan?" If that's what it sounds like they said to me, and, and it sounds like Kaepernick at that point said, "I haven't really thought about it yet." And they said, "Well, you know what? When you figure that out." You know, get back and maybe we'll talk. I, I think that's actually a fairly smart move by the Seahawks to do that. I mean, I'd, I'd think that that's just that's exactly what I would have done. It's like we just got to know what we're getting into here because we're going to bring you in as the backup quarterback. Is is this going to be something that becomes a big part of the story or not? Or have you made your point and you're ready to move on and just try and play football? And it sounds like maybe he hadn't even thought about it so.
2: I mean, you have to. If you're the Seahawks, you have to understand that a backup quarterback is a position that the guy's going to sit on the sideline. He's going to hold the clipboard, mm-hmm. come in when he's
0: needed, and right. it is distraction there. I mean, distraction, whether big or small, you got to mm-hmm. add everything up from a business side too. Uh, when Kaepernick's a special, it's it's a space because he's been the lightning rod for this. Right. People have completely twisted why he started doing it. They've you, you know, we we have done what we tend to do in this country, which is we have formed it into our own controversy that actually really doesn't even resemble why it started in the first place. So you, it's hard. You'd be hard pressed to find somebody who can explain to you why this started in the first place. People have come to their own conclusions about why he's doing it. and And so in his case... Again, I don't think distract- – I think, again, these guys shut this stuff out. That's why they're pro athletes. But I think you'd want to know if you're the Seahawks. You know, hey, are you planning on, like, you know, holding up two burning torches and, <laughs> and-, and dressing as the Statue of Liberty or something? You know, well, how how – bigger we gonna go here with this before we bring you in because at that point you you'd, you'd have to to wonder a little bit uh, apparently and Brad has really got a great chance of winning the $25 since he's yeah. the only guy listening to the show today who wanted to play lunch with listeners. I think I may have inadvertently killed lunch with listeners yesterday with the long hockey segment. I didn't mean to. Won't Puck be surprised when he gets back? And we find no. We've actually changed everything in the noon hour. <laughs> um, hey, speaking of football, and speaking of, here's a distraction from your boring regular life. And this is actually a really cool one. The Cliff Averill Family Foundation is uh, is uh, doing a thing called Ping Pong Slam at Spin Seattle. Have you been to Spin Seattle? I really want to go because I love ping pong. Yeah, I've not been yet. That's become a big thing now. Be a ping pong bars and yeah. ping pong. Yeah, people because in the back in the day, you know, when I was a kid. You played ping-pong the right way in somebody's basement while you stole their dad's booze while he wasn't looking. I mean, that's how you played. (laughs) He didn't go to some fancy-pants place. But Averill's not coming to your basement to play. There's no way he's doing that. So spin Seattle, May 19th. Cliff Averill, several Seahawks teammates will participate in a ping-pong tournament with fans. You can play in this tournament. It's going to uh, benefit, the proceeds will benefit uh, the uh, Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation and the Cliff Averill Family Foundation. Cliff does remarkable work in the in, in both of those uh, uh, communities. Um, the uh, foundation, by the way, their mission is to serve the educational and health needs of youth locally and abroad. You can get more information at cliffaverillfamilyfoundation.org. Ticket prices for this, I thought this is actually pretty reasonable. When I looked at it, it's $50 if you just want to go watch I feel like I'm out on a street corner now. Okay, it's fifty dollars if you want to come in and watch. Uh, it's a hundred bucks if you want to play. That's a hundred bucks to play in a tournament. You, you might, end, who knows, you might end up be like being part of a season-ending injury to a famous hawk because they come at. I think mean, it could be a really exciting <laughs> moment for you. So a hundred bucks is all it cost to play, and again, it's all going to charity. And then a VIP ticket. I don't know what you get with the VIP ticket. That's two hundred bucks. I would think that would, it would involve some way, whether it's meeting Cliff or, or just having something on auto- it. God, it'd be awesome if it involved something. nothing. If they said, no, actually, nothing. You get nothing for, Mary, you'd have been better with the $50. We don't even let you watch for 200 bucks. You stand in the VIP room and do nothing. Uh, it's a cool event. It's coming up Saturday, May 19th. And again, org. if you'd like more information. Here's uh, Marlon in Seattle. Hello, Marlon. How are you?
1: Hey, Gas, I'm doing well. How
0: are you doing today? I'm good. Where's Tito? Where's Tito? I can't be the first guy to have asked you that. <laughs> I don't know. He's with Jackie. Yeah, that, that's the and only the that that that's that's the only possible answer you could have given, and I and I, I applaud you for it. And you are now the leader to win 25 <laughs> bucks from from Georgetown beer. Good work.
3: What are you <laughs> having for lunch You're today?
2: Too, I don't know. I think maybe some Burger Master. I'm up near Sandpoint, so I'm thinking about Burger Master. Uh, you got any suggestions in the Sandpoint area?
0: If you're if you're thinking about Burger Master, that's where I'd go. There's no sense thinking about it, and, and then no matter where else you go, you're going to think the rest of the day I should have gone to. So go to Burger Master. That's good. <laughs> that's a good solid move.
2: Uh, all right, I'll grab
1: uh, some of their ending rings there. Um, you know, I think that I am bullish on the Mariners, of course. It's uh, the the calendar says it's spring. Uh, definitely, it's springtime in Seattle, and uh, I think that what the caller said earlier, I, I'm optimistic. Hope spring's eternal. That uh, they're going to keep things afloat. I think Felix is, has started the season better than many people gave him credit for being able to. So that is looking good. And like you said, Paxton has shown that he can go out and do his thing regardless of the distraction. So I'm optimistic. I think uh, I think I'm buying. I
0: appreciate the call, Marlon, and I'm with you. I'm with you hundred percent on that. I'm I'm very bullish on this team right now. None of the injuries are, are severe or season ending. Uh, you're gonna get guys back. You're six and four with a bundle of your games already on the road. You've had an odd schedule of stops and starts. Your starting pitching hasn't been great, but it hasn't been terrible. There have been two clunkers, but there's gonna be a, you know, they're gonna be clunkers along the way. You just don't wanna string a bunch of them together. Uh, I, I think every reason to, to feel good about where they are now. Still a lot of wood to chop, but six and four, given the hurdles they've had to, uh, clear, is in my mind reason to be bullish right now. Jake in Denver. Denver! How you doing, Jake? Good.
2: How are you? Are you? I'm good.
0: Are you? Do you live out there? Are you are you a Denver resident?
2: No, oh, I am actually on business.
0: Business. That sounds important. What kind of business are you doing in Denver?
2: Uh, selling coffee equipment.
0: Ooh, that. Do they drink a lot of coffee in Denver?
2: Uh, no, but they do a lot of other things. If you know what I mean.
0: So what are you out there selling coffee equipment for? It sounds like you're a drug dealer. Are you? Are you? Are you lying to me, Jake? Are you doing things that are that are nefarious?
2: Uh, no comment. <laughs> what's
0: What's for lunch in Denver today? What'd you have? Cause it's been a couple hours ago. You probably should have had lunch by now.
2: Yeah. Uh, I actually for lunch I had Chick Fil A and I went and parked out uh, and pointed my car near the Mile High Stadium and watched uh, Super Bowl Forty Eight. highlight.
0: Nah, that's a that's a good use of a lunch hour right there. Did you, did you Did you keep the windows down and yell at people as they walked by? Oh yeah. Good. Sure. Good work. What uh, What say you on the M's right now?
2: I you have to buy into this their stock right now. Um, Etro DH for us and we're six and four. I mean, how can you, <laughs> how can you go away from them right now? Ten I, I think,
0: yeah, it, it's one of many things. I mean, you know they, they are they are using the, the three of their four biggest hitters are out of the lineup and they're still able to get wins. I mean they're expecting a lot out of Healy this year. We know what Cruz is capable of, and we know what Zanino's capable of, and they've really gotten Jack Squat out of those three to this point and they're still six and four. I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm very bullish on the team.
2: Yep. And I, that, I I have to have to buy in right
0: now. All right, have fun in the mile high city.
2: We'll do thanks.
0: If you see my friend Jason Kosmiski, the longtime voice of the Denver Nuggets, give him give him my condolences. Nuggets lost a tough one last night and we'll not go to the playoffs, eighty-four percent right now of the people voting, and you still vote at Gasman two hundred six, are either hold or or buy. So, but but again, baseball is beautiful. There's six, there's almost one in every five voters, sixteen percent, a little less than one in five. Sam, nah, this is it. This is good as it's going to get. It's never going to get any better than this. And you know, past performance and all that. Who knows? Hi, Steve. How are you?
4: Good Gas. It's good to have you back. I wish you were going to stay forever. Thanks, but, thanks. Mean, you know that, that makes I one of us. You, you uh, and <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, it's good to
0: have you back. Thank you very much. It's, you know, it's actually it's been it's been great to be back. And it's in all honesty, working with Jason was something I always wanted to do. And we had done a little bit of stuff together, but it, it's fun to work with him every day. And this is uh, this is a perfect little setup for me.
4: Well, you you and uh, the Graz and back in the day when you guys all started, it was all. It's always been great listening, to you guys. So thanks very much. Anyway, go ahead. Ask me anything you want.
0: <laughs> it's a good thing you're taking over the show because I kind of lost interest in everything. Steve, what are you having for lunch?
4: Well, I'm having what's called a Bada bing sandwich. It's from uh, what was the Goodfellas Deli, but it was uh, which I used to own. But uh, it's a uh, uh, French loaf with it's kind of grilled. Uh, it's got provolone cheese and Swiss. It's uh, got my own Italian dressing on top of it. Uh, prosciutto, ham, and turkey, uh, and I throw a tomato on there too. And uh, warm it up a little bit, melt everything down, and boom—you got a bada bing sandwich.
0: Boy, that's a bada bing is right. That sounds—that sounds, that sounds pretty. Can I tell you that uh, that that in the Sopranos when they would call it the Bing, it was one of my. It was over at the Bing. I love that they called the bada bing the Bing. Uh, if you were in with the in crowd with the, the Sopranos, yeah,
4: I thought I think I started watching The Sopranos because of you. Oh, is that right? Yeah, we, and, uh, yeah. I tell you what, we had
0: we had some friends. We had some friends, and and when The Sopranos were on, and and they would air on Sunday night at like eight o'clock or nine o'clock on HBO, we had friends who every Sunday we'd get together, we'd have a big Italian meal, and then we'd watch. I mean, it was, it was, cause it was such a different, there's so many shows now like that. There's a lot of those great shows and TV has really become wonderful at producing these spectacular dramas, but it was a new concept at the time. And I mean, it was like a drug. You could not get enough. When, when it'd get to the 51, 52 minute mark, you'd be like, no, I don't want, I'm not ready for it to end yet this week.
4: Exactly, I know, and and and, it, and it, you hated to see it go. And then I think I've watched it. I think I've watched all the you know every every episode twice since. So yeah. it's, it's always yeah. Uh, I, I miss the poor guy that died. So anyhow, uh, go ahead, ask me a question. I'm I'm right here for you. <laughs> okay, so got, so again, you're running the show. What do you think about the M's? Well, I'm optimistic. I coach high school baseball, and I coach with a bunch of guys that. Uh, have been around baseball for a long time. Matter of fact, we just got done playing in Safeco Field on Sunday. Nice. And two of the coaches I coach with will have absolutely nothing to do with the Mariners. They're, they're just dead. I mean, as far as they're concerned, the Mariners haven't made enough deals. And then I've got two sons I coach with that, you know, and myself. I'm, I'm, I watch every game. Mm-hmm. Win or lose, I'm watching the game. I, I, this year I'm optimistic, but last year it was the same way. I, I mean, then all of a sudden we got 30 million injuries. So um, if, they, if they go out and play good baseball and they get decent pitching right now, I mean, you know, who, who knows how well? I I just have this funny feeling we're going to get halfway down the road, our pitching's going to break down. We don't have enough guys to pitch, our, and we're going to get more injuries. It's just I, I'm I'm hoping for a great season, but I'm like, you know, the 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 fan that's going, God, something's going to happen, and we're just going to end up going through a 15-game losing streak. It's like that one season where we lost 10 straight games after we were winning, and then the guy, the manager, what's his name, uh, quit. I mean, we always have something happen to us. Well, that was Hargrove, but
0: he actually quit while they were on a winning streak, which is like the Mariners the only team that could have that happen. Mike Hargrove, I think, is the only manager in baseball history to quit on a winning streak of nine games or more. But he got mad and got in his little red truck and drove off, and it's like, all right, see you later there, skipper. Uh, all right, let's give the uh, Lunch with Listeners prize to uh, to Marlon, oh, and, and he right. can share it with Tito and Jackie and the rest of the gang. They can all go out together and get themselves a little bit of chow, or actually a little bit of beer. Eh, that would be even better for them. Bring a bag of chips or something. You'll enjoy yourself. Thanks to Georgetown Beer for Lunch with Listeners. John Feinstein. We'll, we'll f- finally wrap up our Masters coverage for this year with John Feinstein next on Sports Radio.
1: Now, back to Puck and the Gas Man on your home for Seattle's best NFL draft coverage, Sports Radio 950 KJR.
0: Hi, Jason Puckett is off this week, so I'm flying solo, and it uh, has been a fun experience to this point. We'll see if we can say that after the next half hour and all three hours tomorrow, but so far... So good. Uh, one of the things, I mentioned this earlier, because we've had a lot of guys on who used to be on the show, when we did it every single day for a of those many years. And one of the things I do miss about that show is a chance to visit on a regular basis with guys who became uh, kind of radio friends, I'll call them. And one of them is on the Beacon Plumbing Hotline right now. John Feinstein has done many things in his life, but he has never been on the Beacon Plumbing Hotline, and I know he'll consider this a great, great honor. John, welcome back, sir.
5: Uh, Well, you promised me I'd be on the Zeke's Pizza hotline. You know,
0: I think that's actually an old... That's a good point. There's a guy who's been around before. He remembers the, the Zeke's Pizza hotline. I
5: do. That, that, that was our hotline every week back in the uh, in the good old days. In the good old days, as it were. But I'm we'll, sure this is a fine hotline, too. Y- you sound fine, so I'll say but to if folks... If you can that, get me sent a Zeke's Pizza, I'd be grateful.
0: If the Zeke's Pizza people are listening, call us and we'll give you John's address. You can mail him a pizza and we'll see how things work out when he gets it in a couple of days out there in the... the Probably greater,
5: be better than most of the pizza here in Washington, D.C. All the good pizza places here have closed.
0: Hey, I, uh, I, uh, uh, it's great to, to talk to you again, and, and um, it, it's an interesting time to talk to you, because we spent a lot of time last, uh, you know, last week and then into Monday talking about the Masters and talking about Patrick Reed and what a fascinating character this guy is. And, in, in, and I'm, I think, I can't keep track because you write so much, but uh, the, uh, uh, the, your latest book is the first major, right, which is on the Ryder Cup of 2016? Correct. And as such... You obviously got to know this young man a little bit. He is a very interesting character. Tell us a little bit about your thoughts on Patrick Reed.
5: Well, I like Patrick Reed. Um, He has a good self-deprecating sense of humor. He uh, could not have been more cooperative with me uh, during the course of my research for the first major. I'm well aware and was well aware of uh, his past, his uh, separation from his parents and his sister, which I think is sad in any family. None of us, I, I think it's terrible of any of us to be judgmental of either side in a situation like that. We don't know what's gone on. I do know from a number of people that uh, a lot of it has to do with the relationship between his parents and his wife, mm-hmm. which is always a shame when that sort of thing happens. Um, there, you know, He was thrown off the golf team at Georgia um, and was then part of two national champions at Augusta State. Uh, so, you know, he, he probably made some Im, what I would call immature mistakes when he was in college. God knows, Mike, you and I never made any immature mistakes in college. I made an immature uh, mistake
0: this morning, I think.
5: <laughs> I made one about five minutes ago. Uh, so so my, my, my philosophy has always been you judge people uh, how, by how they treat you um, and, and by how you see them treat others when you have the opportunity to do that. And Patrick Reed has never been anything but, but kind to me. And, in fact, um, I, I dropped him a note, as I'm sure a million people did, on Monday congratulating him. And I got a note back surprisingly quickly under the circumstances. And, and what it said, Mike, was, I want to thank you for taking the time to get to know me. Hmm. Now, the number of athletes I can who I can list in my life who have ever done that because obviously I've taken the time to get to know a lot of athletes because that's my job. Right. Um, it, it, I can count on one hand and have a couple fingers left. And, and I think he was making the point that a lot of people in the media have judged him without knowing him, which happens often in the media, unfortunately. And uh, and I, I just I, I think Patrick Reed is a good guy, and I feel badly. You know the, the way life works is we're often judged by our worst moment mm-hmm. and, and, and and whatever it is, and I I think rarely is that fair. And again, whomever is listening, you, me, how would you? How would any of us like to be judged by our worst moment? Right. So I I, I was pleased to see him win. Now I was rooting for Rory McIlroy because you know Rory's my boy.
0: That's right. That's
5: right. And I was very disappointed by the way he played. Uh, on Sunday, we missed that eagle putt on two, and it was downhill from there. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm fighting a little bit of a cold here. Um, but uh, but when Rory didn't win, uh, I, I was very happy to see Patrick Reed. Not, nothing against Jordan Spieth to Ricky Fowler, by the way. Like right. them both. Right. Spent right. a lot of time with them on the Ryder Cup book too, especially Jordan. Uh, so it was it was a fun ending. Uh, I thought the way Reed got it up and down at seventeen, he got lucky when the when when his first putt hit the hit the hit the hole, uh, and then played eighteen the way he did. He was a deserving champion.
0: the uh, The emergence of Reed and 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 by winning the Masters, he emerges for a lot of people. Certainly, his work on the Ryder Cup, no golf fans would, but the Masters changes things. He will not fit into the nice, neat box that a lot of guys in golf fit into. And I'm wondering, you know, personality wise, I don't know him near as well. I don't know him at all compared to you, but you know, sometimes sports needs the black hat wearing guy. And I don't want to necessarily carve him out as a villain. You're telling us he's actually a pretty nice guy, but right. this might be good for the sport to have a guy that can galvanize people in that direction you know i'm going to root against this guy versus Mm -hmm. rooting for somebody else is is if he could stack up a few more wins is that some a role you could see him taking
5: i could uh because patrick's an introvert and that's one of the reasons why uh you know he uh, if you look at fowler if you look at speed if you look at justin thomas uh, if you look at rory they're all extroverts they're all very happy you know to to spend time in the spotlight, to deal with the media, um, to be friendly with the other guys in the locker room, and particularly the three American guys are always out congratulating each other when they win. And to Ricky's credit, he did the same thing with Patrick Reed on Sunday. He's, he's a class act. Um, but uh, Patrick is different. Uh, and and Phil, he told me that in 2014, the first time he played on the Ryder Cup team, in the team meeting on Saturday night, you know when the teams always get together to you know, rah rah, let's get ready for Sunday. Phil Mickelson looked at him. Uh, he was talking about each member of the team. He looked at Patrick and said, "We need to know you better. You need mm-hmm. to let us get to know you better because oh. you're going to be playing right on Ryder Cup teams for years to come, which he will." Um, and I and, and Patrick said he took that to heart. And he has a tendency to walk on the range. He's got his earbuds in. There's one song he listens to called Radioactive. Right. I'm forgetting the name of the group. But he listens to the same song over and over. And he understands that, you know, these guys are now teammates once every two years in, in an extremely important event. And he's allowed some of them to become friends with him uh, because he, you know, because of his past, because he's an introvert by nature. I think he shied away from that, and now as a Masters champion, uh, I think you'll see him become more open. One of the things I talked about
0: last week, leading into the Masters, and it's still apropos now is, and and maybe this is just because we're in we're still in the wake of of Tiger's amazing dominant run over the years. I'm not expecting any golfer to come up and dominate the way he did. Maybe it'll happen. No, maybe, well. yeah, no one will. Right. It doesn't seem like any – we've got a lot of great young stars right now. It doesn't seem like any of them have even dominated a little bit. Is that fair, or do you think there's one guy that everybody looks at at each tournament going, okay, that's the guy we got to rein in?
5: Well, I, I think that, that that it's become more cyclical. Um, you don't get dominance like Tiger Woods had. You, you, I mean, Jack Nicklaus was that dominant. Tiger Woods was that dominant. That's the list. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, you know, there have been times when uh, you, Rory McIlroy was the favorite going into most majors. There was a period when Jordan Spieth was the favorite going into most majors. And it it ebbs and flows. And, uh, you know, Rory had won four majors by the time he was 25 uh, and has not won one now since uh, August of 2014. I I don't think he's done. I I think he's going to win more. I hope he'll win a bunch more. He's not going to get to 14. But he might get to eight or nine. Jordan Spieth might get to eight or nine. Jordan's only 24. Uh, so we've got some really, really good players who, as I said, are really good guys, too, out there. But any time TV throws up a statistical comparison between any player and Tiger Woods, I shudder. Right. It's just not fair. Right, right. You know, it, 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 and, and TV does this all the time. I, I still my I have a vivid memory many, many years ago. You remember Jeff Lebo played at North Carolina? Right, sure. Good guard, right? Yeah. But I'm watching, and when he's a freshman, I'm watching him, him come into a game, and I hear Brent Musburger say, this young man has been compared to Jerry West. <laughs> By whom? Right, He's right. a college freshman. Yeah. Well, he was like Jerry West. He had two arms and two legs. Right, right. Lived on earth. And, and when people do that to, you know, to, it, it, Rory McIlroy, uh, I'll use him as an example, partly because I like him, partly because he's got the most majors among this group. If Roy McIlroy decided tomorrow, I want to just go home and raise kids, he'd be in the hall of fame. That's how good his career has already been. But again, to compare any career to Tiger Woods, career, is like you know saying some kid who wins a first-round match at Wimbledon is going to be the next Federer. It's just not fair. Right.
0: It, it, it's no, You're right. It's just not going to happen. John Feinstein is our guest. One uh, one other topic I want to touch on before we, we let you go. We talked about mistakes of our youth earlier and things that you do. And if I had one relationship in business that I could do over, it would be the relationship I ended up having because I was young, I was a little bit of a smart aleck, a little bit of a loudmouth. I, I
5: never knew that about you. I,
0: I know. Uh, it would involve our mutual friend, Charles G. Lefty Drizell, who has finally made it into the Basketball Hall of Fame at, at what, the age of
5: 86, is that 86, right? 86, yeah, yeah. Um, I can't tell you how happy I was when I got that news. I thought it was going to happen this year. I, I really did, because I knew there were some behind-the-scenes machinations going on that to be honest, I had, I had sort of pushed people into, mm-hmm. uh, some significant people. Um, and he was the only college coach who was a finalist. And I also had, a call, had calls from a couple of voters, you know, even though it's supposed to be a deep, dark secret who votes, saying to me, convince me. And I did. They both said to me, you got it. I'm going to vote for him. So I felt very confident that he was not very confident, but confident. Mm-hmm. And when the word came down on Mar- on the night of uh, March 28th, uh, and, I- and I was very happy I was able to break the story in the Washington Post, because if somebody else had broken it, it would have really upset me. Right. Um, that, that lefty was in i was just i know what it means to him i know what it means to his family he should have been in a dozen years ago if you if you look at his record as opposed to some of the myths that are out there right you know there there are people who actually somehow think he was responsible for len bias's death which is ridiculous and i i had coaches call me and say why are you pushing so hard for lefty you're the guy who says people who have been on probation shouldn't go in the hall of fame and I said, damn right I am. Lefty was never on probation.
0: That's right. That's a, that's a myth that does exist out there. You're it right. It does.
5: And, and, and so, thank God, they finally got their facts straight, got their ducks in a row, uh, and got him in. And uh, I actually, I, I, I talked to Mike Krzyzewski at one point, because Mike was one of the people who pushed for this. And, and I was pushing him to push for it. And I said, Mike, do, do you realize the only Duke graduate who is in the Hall of Fame now, right now, this is a couple years ago, is me. That's amazing. You want that to be Duke's legacy, me? (laughs) And he said, I'll work as hard as I can. And, of course, Grant Hill got in, too, so that's nice. So we went from one Duke grad to three. And
0: that's a and that's you know the the list of Duke grads and I, I like you know it, it's it's you that the, are big stars you uh, uh, Lefty uh, uh, Richard Nixon you know there's a whole list Shut of guys up. he went to the law
5: school he the he whole was list not of, an
0: undergraduate a whole list of Dukies out there that
3: are worthy. one of my
5: favorite chants of all time <laughs> you know at the ACC tournament in the old days back before there were forty seven teams the students would chant back and forth at each other when their teams were getting ready to play. And one night, the Virginia students started chanting at the Duke students, Nixon went to Duke, Nixon went to Duke, <laughs> and the Duke students chanted back, not our fault. Yeah.
0: <laughs> fair enough. A, a fair, well, I'm happy for, for Lefty, and he was, he was a big, larger-than-life presence everywhere he ever went, and he certainly yep. won enough games and, and impacted enough people that it's a, it's a worthy honor. So, good, Mike, good when he here. retired,
5: he was fourth on the all-time list of wins. Yeah. He won 786 games. And, and he's now eleventh, even all these years later. Uh, and it was just ridiculous that he wasn't in for all those years. And I'm I'm glad they got it done while he was still alive. I'm very very glad about that.
0: And I know I know it. Me, I, I'm aware how much it meant to him as well. And I'm I'm happy for that too, John. It's it's great to chat with you again, and and I, I appreciate your time. I hope your family's all doing well. If you see our friend Jerry Brewer, say hello to him. Uh, your Washington Post compadre there, and continued good wishes to you.
5: Thank you, Michael. It's always great to be on the radio with you.
0: Thanks a lot, John Feinstein. You can follow him on Twitter, at jfeinsteinbooks. We talked about Patrick Reed ad nauseum on Monday. If you want to learn more about Patrick, John's uh, latest book, uh, which was actually uh, it's about a year old now, but it's going to be a great read, is on the 2016 Ryder Cup. And as you heard there, he got a chance to get to know Patrick uh, during that phase. Uh, Our friend Ian Furness, the host of Area 51, will come wandering through the door any moment. We'll find out what's going on on his
1: show today. Now back to Puck and the Gas Man on your home for Seattle's best NFL draft coverage, Sports Radio
4: 950, KJR.
0: We're sitting here laughing about family issues, and as I, I said to Ian, Every family's got a story. There's a story, but like, we're talking about John Feinstein about Patrick Reed and his family thing. And it's, it's a sad thing. I mean, step back that ah, that's just sad. It doesn't really right. matter whose fault it is or whatever. Every family's got something like that within their tree. And
3: you know what it, it usually falls on is is what the Reed's thing is. It seems like it had the crux of it is the wife. You yeah, know, maybe they don't like her. They don't a- approve of her, and right. and he's going to take her side, which he should as her spouse, I assume, and what and you know. It is. It's sad. That whole that whole situation was sad. I thought Feinstein was great in terms of what he said about you know Patrick Patrick Reed did some dumb things when he was in college. Mm-hmm. Weird, right? Yeah. I, I, none of us have ever done
0: that it, it, exactly. And I mean, and it is an, an interesting thing about golf is that when somebody is accused of or is thought to have cheated. They get into a box that it's almost impossible yeah. to get. It's so funny because like you compare it to like baseball, where the old line is, "If you're not cheating, you're not okay, trying."
3: Yeah, but golf's a different beast. It's man. a
0: different beast, and when you get caught, when you and and clearly the incident where he was going to hit the wrong ball during the match, and when they confronted him on it, they must have known that he had done other things. I that,
3: think they're looking for it. Yeah because
0: yeah. because anybody could walk up to the wrong ball and go well, I'm you know but yeah whatever it, it's yeah. it's water under the bridge he, <laughs> you know what he's the masters champ and the guys who got him kicked off the team aren't and he can just say hey Put that in your pipe and smoke he's, it. He's going to
3: have a dinner next year. He's going to be in the champions' locker room. He's going to wear a green jacket. And yeah, you're right. The rest of those guys are yeah. probably you know trading stocks or uh, selling insurance or something. At the like
0: range, there. working yeah. on their game. Yeah, exactly. So they can win the Elks Club tournament. I'm still a one. <laughs> right. I'm still a plus two. Right, exactly. Oh, goodness, exactly. So how are you, sir? I'm
3: good. I love the shirt.
0: I I wore the original six t shirt in today for one thing and one thing only. I knew Furnace would like it. We're all, all kind of. Well, Hockey-centric this Well, week. and
3: you mentioned you said had yeah, the Winnipeg last night. I, I noticed your tweet. I Woo, love that.
0: that. was I like that better than Vegas and L.A. The Vegas-L.A. game was good, but it's just felt like the Kings never got anything going no. at all, and all credit to Vegas for that.
3: Well, and, and, and L.A. is not going to get up and down the ice with and try to play a, a track meet with Vegas. So instead, you know, Winnipeg last night, I tweeted this out. Winnipeg to me feels like what it will be like here. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the whole whiteout thing—you can yeah. see the party in the plot, you know, outside of the arena there. And they, you know, they show- And I kept thinking as I'm walking through, gas—I had not been through the Seattle Center in—I don't know how many years. Mm-hmm. Like literally, maybe, maybe, the last time I might have been there is like the last draft we did there for when wow. I was first- <laughs> like '08 or whatever yeah, it yeah. was. And and I was walking through yesterday, and I thought, new building, Stanley Cup playoffs, all this space out here—that could be us.
0: Yeah. a couple of years. Yeah, and with thousands of people out there. and, and can't get
3: it. a ticket, but you're still going to be there.
0: If you're you a know? Seattle fan and you're like, okay, I'm going to dip my toe into hockey because I kind of want to know what's going on. You, the team you could adopt and have a hell of a good time with this year, the Winnipeg Jets, because they are shifting sports here. They're what we'd love the Sonics to be. They lost their hockey team for no yes. real reason. Yes. Lost them to a city that doesn't support them, and it took them like 15 or 20 years to get them back. Yes. And then they've just been great supporters since then. If you're just looking for, an, I want to follow a team to kind of get in. Winnipeg is your Winnipeg
3: team. is Seattle. Yeah. yeah, they are. You're that's bang on. They are Seattle in in the National Hockey League right now.
0: What's coming up on Area 51?
3: I talked to John Wilner coming up at 120 today. That UW deal is a pretty substantial uh, deal, huh? Yeah, so you get 12 million dollars a year to wear something that says uh, Adidas on it.
0: That's and if you're worried about this, you really have a pretty good life going. If if you're if you're, I, I agree. The deal is interesting to discuss, but the people who are angry about it one way or another, it's like, well, there's a
3: threat. There's something people stress that thinking it might hurt recruiting because kids like Nike, then you have all the people say, no, kids love Adidas these days and then the counter is like Adidas because they sponsor the seven-on-seven tournaments and blah, 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 back and forth. Bottom line is, the bottom line looks really good with that Adidas deal. Uh, and we'll also check in with uh, Bill Kruger. You might have met him once or twice ah,
1: before.
0: Ah, yes, two, indeed. O'clock, 2
3: o'clock today, we'll talk to Kruger. Usually we have him on Fridays, brought to you by Venue Kings. We're having him on today because tomorrow we're in Pullman doing a bunch of stuff over there.
0: Well, that's the first I've heard of this, and I did not approve it, and we're going to have to discuss this even further. Kruger, situational guy. He is used to jumping from day to day. He doesn't mind doing it. He can go. He can give you six good starting innings one day and then come out of the pen the next day and, and spell your guy. Just don't ask him
3: about a pitcher coming in pitching to one batter.
0: And that'll, it's true. He's, he's right. Ian Furness is coming up. Jackson, thanks for all the help. We'll see you all tomorrow. Uh, Brad Evans, uh, scheduled to join us tomorrow on The Big Shoe.
1: No shirt, no shoes, no ties. Anybody like to smoke some pot? I was born
0: to
4: lick. I was born to lick your face. I was born to rub you, but you were born to rub me first. What do you need my address for? we like to send out a mailer. Mother of mercy, I don't speak Japanese. <laughs>